welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am one of your lovely hosts, Josh Johnson. And over there, through the power of the internet, is Mr. Ben Watts. I'm feeling good today. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. You had a good, good sunny spring day? Uh, not really. Oh. You'll you'll notice in this show it's it's actually been a terrible day. We've been a really long day at work. My show notes aren't up to par today. I don't like it. <laughs> but regardless, we're gonna have a fun time because we always have a fun time, and we get to escape time. the reality of real life by talking about fantasy football. Is this a fantasy? Is this real life? Is this real life? It is. Uh, today, we've got uh, breakouts and bounce backs. We've also got some very pre-draft. interesting news. Yeah, pre-draft, obviously. Because This could change in a week. I'm hoping not, because, you know, I put in I some work. I, I don't think a lot of these will change. I doubt it. Uh, I, I do think that all of these guys... I have, I have one that could in. change, I think. Yes, you do. Uh... But before we hop into breakouts and bounce backs, we've had some crazy news drop today. Uh, Debo Samuel requested a trade from the 49ers, and apparently it's not to do with money. What the crap is going on? I know exactly what happened. He took one look at Trey Lance in practice and said, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And said, we will see you boys later. I'm so confused. Why? Okay, there's so many levels to this. First of all, he basically changed the game of football by adopting the wide back position. He's that he's that positionless player that's kind of popping up here and there. Right. He's basically the player that the whole rest of the NFL wants to copy on their offense. And I get why he wants to get paid a lot of money. He's like, I'm not a wide receiver. I'm not a quarterback or a running back. I feel like we kind of saw this with Le'Veon Bell back in Pittsburgh. Remember when he wanted his massive contract, he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver and a running back because he caught so many passes. Right. Yeah, I see. Okay, here's where it gets confusing. First of all, I thought it was a money problem because, you know, you were hearing rumblings come out of San Francisco that Debo just wanted more money than they were willing to pay him. But it turns out that the 49ers have offered him a contract and it's worth a lot of money and he doesn't want it. And the problem, according to Tom Pelissero I saw today, was his role in that he doesn't want to be the wide back anymore, which makes no sense because he invented it. This is what you're good at, my guy. He is in the perfect offense for Debo Samuel. I mean, they drafted him. They built an offense around him. He's the heart and soul of that team, and he wants out. It makes no sense to me at all. And he's not the only one we're seeing it with, too. Like, he's not – I don't think he's even reporting to the training or what, whatever's going on right now, training practice, and neither is A.J. Brown. And I think Terry McLaurin's doing the same situation. He's showing up, but he's not going to practice. Sheesh. Okay, so – Wide receivers are going crazy. It's going nuts. It's just the most ridiculous offseason. So I think this morning at about 8 a.m., about 12 hours ago, I would have bet everything that Debo Samuel would end up back in San Francisco with a fat new contract. But it, I guess that's not going to happen. I would have also bet the same thing for A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin. But I guess I don't know anything is there a good chance that the other two guys look at what Debo's doing and decide, hey, the grass is greener on the other side. I'm going to request a trade as well. Uh, I mean, I could yeah, definitely see it. There's been, I think there was a tweet from AJ Brown. He, I don't know what he was talking about, being a bad teammate or something like that. I saw that yesterday. We haven't heard much out of Terry McLaurin. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see him do it. For Terry's sake, I, I hope it happens. Yeah, that that guy's wasting his career away in Washington with zero quarterback. Washington, and, trade this man. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Debo has requested a trade. Obviously, the 49ers don't have to trade him, but if they do, which probably happens now, 
Where do you think Debo ends up? I mean, I would say the Jets. However, I saw something today where they were saying, yeah, the Jets are look like the most obvious landing spot, but for whatever reason, Houston is up there with the guys and maybe in the lead kind of thing. Yeah. Which, to me, makes no sense. That would be... See, I don't know, because I think I told you this earlier, a rising tide raises all ships. And by that, I mean, Debo would help out the offense as a whole. And therefore, you know, everybody in the offense would eat a little bit more because Debo's there. But there is a counterpoint to that, which is, why would you go to Houston in the first place? (laughs) Yeah, why would you go to Houston? Why would, if you're Houston... We've seen Debo's injury history. He's already, I think he's going to be 27 years old this year, which, I mean, he's still young. He's got plenty of time left, but why, if I'm in the dead middle of a rebuild, I'm the worst team, I don't know, maybe not the worst team. Jacksonville should improve. That's not the point. Terrible team. No shot at the division. No shot at the playoffs. Why would you trade for Debo when you're still at least three years out from coming out of your rebuild? Your Debo's going to be 30 years old by then with an injury-riddled past. And if I'm Debo, why would I go from a team that just made the NFC Championship to go to Houston and play with Brandon Cooks? Is that their best player? Yep. And Davis Mills. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I would at least want to go to the Jets where there's promise. Right. I... Here's the problem with Debo wanting out. He's in the perfect offense currently for Debo. Like, the 49ers built an offense around what he does best. They allowed him to score, what, 14 touchdowns last year, have 1,400 yards receiving, and 300, what, 65 yards rushing? So he had 1,700, almost 1,800 total yards, 14 touchdowns. You know, obviously his production as a receiver dipped towards the end of the year. But, I mean, regardless, he's going to get touches. Like, maybe it's not traditional wide receiver touches. Maybe it's not traditional running back touches. But he's going to get touches. They obviously value him in that offense. I get him wanting to get paid because he's physical. He's been hurt a lot. I get that part of it, but it sounds like they're willing to pay him. And the problem is just he doesn't want to be a wide back, which makes no sense. I would and I think uh, the Jets were also in talks with about um, Tyree Kill too, so I could, you know, I definitely could see them making another play for a wide receiver. Yeah, they seem like they are in on the wide receiver market, um, but they're also they have two top ten first round picks. I think which would, I I think they if they. I think they draft a wide receiver with one of them for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think Drake London or Garrett Wilson's a very real possibility to New York on draft night. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've seen him, you know, I think I've seen Vegas odds for him to go to Green Bay, which would be insane. Uh, I've also seen oh, that would the be Jets. Wild. Yeah, I've seen Philly. I'm just hoping that he doesn't go anywhere that already has an established wide receiver and just tanks both of their value like Tyreek Hill did. But I don't. I also don't know how much he benefits going somewhere like Green Bay. I mean, obviously it'd be good for Green Bay, great for him, but he's not just a target monster wide receiver. Right. He's an efficiency like, monster. Yeah. Yeah, so... And, Devon, and uh, Aaron Rodgers wants somebody he can throw the ball to 170 times a year. Right. Now, I think if Debo goes to Green Bay, he has a chance to be like the number one wide receiver because I would imagine Aaron Rodgers is going to pepper him with targets and he's never been peppered with targets before. Like if he got, I don't know, 150 targets from Aaron Rodgers, you have to imagine he's going to have like 2,000 yards. That's also assuming he plays all 17 games. So there's the the other flip side of this trade is what's left in San Francisco if Debo gets traded. You've got Brandon Ayuk, who I was in he on. He takes a big boost. 
he gets a huge boost. I was in on him last year. Um, as, wrongly. Uh, wrongly, yeah, it didn't work. But, uh, like, does he... I don't know. What if if Debo's gone, does Brandon Ayuk jump up to a what? Safe wide receiver two with upside? Where does he go? Uh, I mean, we saw him at the end of his rookie year when there was no Debo and no Kittle. He was great. So I wouldn't I, I don't know if I trust him to be a safe wide receiver two. I would take him as a low two. Yeah. Maybe. Flex play. He'd be a very good flex. That Debo aside, nobody knows what to do with Debo. That is the wide receiver market has just been insane this offseason. It's absolutely exploded. Everybody's lost their dang mind, and they're paying we've everyone. A, we've, we've seen a shift in the in the NFL too. I mean, it is this is a passing league. The quarterbacks have taken over, which has led to their wingman taking over the wide receiver. Yeah. So we've got. Breakouts and bounce backs for 2022. And we're just going to popcorn this thing. We're going to... We've each got three breakouts, three bounce backs. We're going to dive in, tell you why players will break out in 2022 if they haven't previously. And a few players that will obviously bounce back. So my number these one. Are, these are guarantees too. Like this is not our predictions. These players will do exactly what we say they will. <laughs> you can take this to the bank. This is ironclad. This is basically a life 100%. insurance policy. <laughs> if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, obviously we're in an alternate dimension. <laughs> we have entered a wormhole. So my number one breakout is Cam Akers and RB1 draft him. <laughs> the overall RB1 draft him oh, as yeah. such. 101 <laughs> Dynasty Superflex startup. You're taking Cam Akers. <laughs> so Cam Akers is really interesting because he has a split group where you've got the people like me who are in on Cam Akers and you've got the people not like me that are not in on Cam Akers. Um, there's a lot of factors as to why Cam Akers is a potentially awesome running back to own in fantasy. He's got great draft capital. He was drafted in the early second round. Uh, he's also, like, he measures very good. He's got, like, 86 percentile burst speed scores. Uh, he's got a 12% target share in college. So he basically can do everything. He's a, he profiles His BMI was really good, back. too. Yeah, he's got the pounds per square inch that you would want for a three-down running back. He's also the like last piece of the pie that you want to project running back production is he's in an elite offense with an elite quarterback that also just so happens to not be a mobile quarterback that will dump off to his running backs. For sure. The thing with Cam Akers is obviously he was coming off the Achilles injury, and a lot of people thought that maybe he was cooked after that injury and he would never be the same. He came back and was not great, but he also appeared to have some of the same burst he had before. He still had some juice. Yeah. He had a little bit of juice. And he he still... Well, we saw um, Devonta Foreman come back from an Achilles. Obviously, not as fast as Akers did, but I guess that's kind of a good news for an Achilles injury. We're starting to see guys able to come back from them. Right. He also will get the extra offseason to prepare, to rehab even more, but to do it from a place of health. Like, he's not coming yeah. back from injury this offseason. He is technically healthy. So he just gets an offseason to strengthen, to get better, to get back some of that burst, and I think he will. He had a few highlight plays that just kind of make your jaw drop in the playoffs. Uh, I remember that in run. In the playoff production, I know people were dis uh, uh, concerned about it. I don't think it, I'm really worried that much about it. I'm not. The, the, like the whole rushing offense in general wasn't great in the playoffs. It was very pass-centric, yeah. which is fine. Like It wasn't just that Cam Akers stunk. It was that everyone stunk. And I think it was just teams game plan to stop the run, and they did a good job game planning. Um, and Matthew Stafford got things done through the air. 
Because so, we know with the Rams, it's the running game that you needed to worry about, not Cooper Cup. Exactly. <laughs> so, great offense, great prospect. He's super young. He's like 23 years old. He's got the extra offseason to prepare uh, from the injury. And when we did see him last healthy, he was dominant. I remember that game, that Monday night game against the Patriots that he ran for, I think it was like 200 yards, just ate them for breakfast. I I still see that in my mind's eye. I expect Cam Akers to probably be a early, maybe early to mid RB2. I kind of expect what Darrell Henderson did last year, which was score a lot of touchdowns because of that offense. Not necessarily blow your socks off. He got hurt. I think he was like, what, RB11, RB10, something like that? Yeah. So back-end RB1, R, uh, you know, RB2 in that I wouldn't range. draft him as my RB1. I don't, feel, I don't feel super safe, but he's got the potential. Definitely got the potential. Your number one breakout, sir. Number one breakout. It's probably been a couple of people's number one breakout last year is Gabriel Davis. He's been everybody's breakout for like his entire career. We are we are waiting for it. Hey, he got a big boost in targets last year from his rookie season. He went from 47 targets in 2020 to 49 targets in 2021. <laughs> so he is uh he's already made that leap and broken out is what you're saying. Yeah, he we we have seen the elite step taken in year 2. <laughs> He's there. In all seriousness, though, I I could definitely see it happening. He had a rough start to the beginning of 2021, but he really started to pick up late with his targets and his production. He had those odd games where he would you know snag a touchdown, but he really picked up late. Um, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Did he? I don't know if he retired or they just didn't resign him. So he's yep. not there. And I I mean I I wouldn't be stunned if the Bills add a wide receiver in the draft, but I'm thinking they're more likely to add a running back than a wide receiver. Right. So Gabriel Davis would definitely be the wide receiver too. You saw what he can be with the monster game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. So let's see if this is the year. Maybe he can finally make it happen. You can get him for practically nothing. Right. So, I mean, I think he's well worth a shot. He's interesting because probably the best time to sell him if you were going to do it was immediately after that playoff game. And you oh, saw I, the I put him on the trade block like seconds after he scored that <laughs> 75-yard touchdown. <laughs> yeah, and, and nobody bid on it. I don't know. Nobody Gabriel Davis, we've been waiting for it to happen. He's got the elite quarterback, the elite offense. He just needs the targets. And with Emmanuel Sanders Right now the gone, targets are open. Yeah, the targets are there. Cole Beasley's gone. That's another 100 targets freed up in that offense. If they don't take a wide receiver, Gabriel Davis could be a really safe wide receiver three with wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver one upside. He could have those spike weeks. Yeah. I don't I don't trust him yet until I see it, but he's going to have those weeks where he does pop. Yeah. So my number two breakout is also a 23-year-old running back. He currently is employed by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that is Travis Etienne. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know that this blind reveal was happening. Uh, Okay, Travis Etienne, there's not a ton to say about it. This is a little bit of a cheat right here. (laughs) This is cheating. Let's put it this way. He's going to be better than he was last year. (laughs) If he has 20 yards, he technically broke out. (laughs) But I could have also put him in the bounce backs where he had zero yards last year. And if he has five, he's bounced back. Again, it is also cheating there. <laughs> the man did not play. So, yes, he's bou- he's a breakout. Travis Etienne's really interesting. He's coming off the Liz Frank injury, which is kind of... It feels a lot like Achilles injuries now where it's kind of this hand wavy. Nobody really knows anything about it. And we're kind of scared of it sort of injury that takes a long time to recover. Um, but he's, he's had his full year. I want to say the typical recovery time from a doctor that I saw on Twitter was like 
uh, nine to, or what was it? Six to nine months or something like that. And he'll be coming up on 12 months by the time the season he's, kicks off. He's had time. He's had time. Uh, he'll be ready. He'll be more than ready for training camp. For sure. So the other part of this is James Robinson tore his Achilles late last season. I, we don't know exactly don't how long it's going to take him. I, I do not. I, I'm not going to project Cam Akers where he comes back in six months. But also, James Robinson could come back, you know, mid-season. I, I don't think it would be crazy if he came back like week eight if they put him on the pup and just pulled him off of there. Um, but regardless, first half of the season, it's Trevor uh, Travis Etienne's backfield. Uh, he is Trevor Lawrence's college running back. He's got great draft capital. Uh, he's that typical pass-catching prototype. He had a 12% target share in college. He's an elite speedster. He, I mean, he's basically everything you want in a running back. It's just a matter of will that offense support production from him? And you know, He surprised me how big he is. Yeah, what is he, like 220? Is he 225? I was thinking he was like... Yeah, he's. I think he's two fifteen, two twenty. Yep. I was thinking when I first was, you know, going into the draft, like this dude's like smaller than Chris, like Christian McCaffrey weight, like two hundred pounds. He's not going to be that good. He popped off at like two twenty. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, he's. I mean, he's everything you want in a running back. He's got the draft capital. He's that pass catching back. He's with his college quarterback, which means there's kind of that Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow connection sort of deal that could be happening there where they just have and a no mind meld. And no, that was that was where I was going. They have no Urban Meyer, which means no punters will be getting kicked this season. Lord. <laughs> Your number two breakout. Number two breakout, I, I will admit I kind of cheated with this one too. We talked about him on a previous episode is Zach Wilson. I think uh, he clearly has a way where he can break out this year. We talked about how he didn't look great his rookie season, um, but he did look much, much better over the second half of the season. He's got, he's a better, he's a pretty good runner, actually. He had a, I think he had like a 52-yard rushing touchdown one week. Very, very mobile, a lot like, you know, similar to Mahomes in that way. And the team has a clear path to improve. We just talked about Debo Samuel getting traded. If he goes to the Jets, like that's a huge boost. Yeah. For Zach Wilson. Andy has Elijah Moore. The team has draft capital to improve other places. So, I mean, I mean, the sky's the limit right now for Zach Wilson. Hope the Jets have future. The Jets have hope right now. Yeah, I don't think that there's a whole lot else you have to add to it. He's got the tools. He just needs weapons and an offense that's functional around him. He needs an offensive line, let's be honest. And it looks and like they're going to draft... To mature. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to draft both a wide receiver and an offensive lineman with their first two picks. Yeah, nothing, nothing but good things happening for Zach Wilson. For sure. Number three breakout. Finally, we've got somebody that's not cheating. Uh, this one... Very, very interesting because he's going to be probably a depth piece on your dynasty teams, but he could be somebody that really makes a leap, and that would be Cole Komet. He is a fascinating prospect where he's got all the tools you look for in a tight end. He's also got kind of the TJ Hawkinson mold where... We were in on him last year. Yeah. So last year, the thing with Hawkinson was that there's nobody else to throw the ball to where it was Hawkinson and Swift. And there's going to be a little bit of that again this year. But with Komet, it's even more extreme. It's legitimately Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Like there are nobody else even worth mentioning on that offense outside of the two of them. So his targets should go up. And he had 93 of them this past year. So, there, like, he was already getting volume last season. I didn't know he had that many targets. He had 93, which, and 93 of Justin Fields' targets, so you take that for what it's worth. But he also had all those targets, had like 600 yards, but he didn't score. So nobody, nobody cared because he was getting his good weeks where he'd score like 10 points but have no touchdowns. So if he would have just had six touchdowns last year, which is about league average, 
he would have finished as the tight end 10. And I think that his targets will go up even from where they were last year. I would expect like 120, 130 targets for him, which could translate to, you know, 800 yards. If he's got five touchdowns, I mean, that's a mid to late tight end one, which it's not a guy that is going to necessarily win you a league, but he is the sort of tight end that you can take really late in drafts and load up everywhere else and probably be okay at tight end. Yeah, I agree with that. Your number three breakout. Number three, and we've you and I have talked about this extensively. We both have differing opinions on this offense and which wide receiver it will be, but I am saying Jerry Judy is my biggest breakout. He, I, is it a, I don't know if it's an upgrade at quarterback. It's kind of, kind of lateral there, but. Kind of a lateral move um, here. Kind of a lateral move there. So, I mean, let's upgrade be honest. At quarterback. Is Russell Wilson really that much better than Drew Locke? I think Russell Wilson is washed. I think he's cooked because he's been cooked. cooking for too long. <laughs> Russ Russ been Russ hadn't got his MVP yet. He's overcooked. <laughs> yeah, Jerry but, Judy um, gets to go from Drew Lock, Mr. Big Head to uh Mr. Cooked. But um I was I wish I had had the time to write the numbers down. I was looking and doing comparisons between him and Sutton. He has out-targeted Sutton like almost every single game they have played together. And a lot will depend on, you know, which um, Russ ends up preferring. But I I mean, I 100% think it's more than likely going to be Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's an outstanding route runner. He's fast. He's got, I mean, he's an elite talent. They took him at, what, pick 11 yeah. in 2020. So, I mean, there's a reason for that. He's super good. Um, and I could see him having that Tyler Lockett connection with Russell Wilson to where he's he's the guy who knows how to get open. and But he's better than Tyler Lockett. All right, I'm going to do some rapid-fire comparisons for you just to see how high you are on Jerry Judy this coming season. Would you rather have Jerry Judy or DJ Moore? Jerry Judy. Would you rather have Jerry Judy or Jalen Waddell? Ah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Waddle that one. I, I will say Waddle just because right. I think I, Waddle's used in a different way. How about this one, Jerry Judy or DK Metcalf? As it stands right now, Judy. Jerry Judy or Keenan Allen? Allen. Okay, so we've kind of got this. Keenan, Keenan. Keenan, I know is the wide receiver one. Yeah, and. I mean, Herbert's going to throw a million passes this year, so. <laughs> he might get near 700. <laughs> yeah, it, but it it's so tough, honestly, because Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, you can make great arguments that both of them are going to be amazing. And odds are one of them is going to be freaking awesome and one of them is going to be just good. Or maybe both of them I, are I high wide receiver And that's why I target share... And I like when they were. I mean, I know it's Drew Locke at quarterback, but when both of them have been on the field, Jerry Judy has out targeted him almost every single time. Yeah, we'll um, we're gonna revisit this because, well, we'll revisit this here in a little bit. How about that? We will see in a few months. <laughs> so bounce backs. These are guys that probably have not crushed for you in fantasy maybe the last two years especially last year they've broken your heart a little bit a little bit but there's obviously potential there and maybe they have new situations or maybe they have untapped talent but we think that they are going to be at the bare minimum better than their adp this coming year if not an absolutely they were last year for sure so bounce back number one I would not have called him a bounce back about three months ago, but I think right now I am convincing myself that Saquon Barkley 
is going to be a great running back in 2022 for fantasy. Why wouldn't you have called him a bounce back? Well, because I wasn't sure he was any good at all (laughs) about three months ago. I mean, he's good. He's always been good. He's always been great. The offense is horrific, or at least it was last year. Um, It is quite bad. Quite bad. In fact, it was the worst in the NFL last year. So watching them play was like pouring salt into your eyeballs. It hurts. Like it was it was terrible. Um, but Saquon Barkley is the most elite running back prospect in the modern draft era. Like when you're comparing running backs coming into the league, you're comparing them to Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott. And Saquon Barkley was better than both of those guys in measurables. Like, his college production was insane. His measurables were insane. There's no way he should be that fast and that big. There's no way his legs should be that thick. Uh, but Saquon's. like quads. Exactly. He's amazing. The problem with Saquon has been injuries. And I think he came back way too early from his ACL injury. He was pressing. Um, and he was wasn't ready. I it took him this long, though. Because, I mean, he got he tore his ACL early in 2020 or 2019, so I thought he'd be ready. Yeah. I, I don't really know exactly what the deal is, but he didn't look right at the beginning of 2021. And he started to look better, but then he obviously injured the ankle, and the offense was terrible. Like, there was just a lot of mitigating factors, and I'm pretty much willing to just give him a fresh slate. He's got Brian Dayball in there as the new head coach, which means the offense should be better because Jason Garrett is gone and so is Joe Judge. They are mocked to take an offensive tackle, which is all good things. They added offensive line help and free agency. But it's not just that they've improved the situation. Is it Sa- I forgot who Saquon Barkley was. I went back in a time portal just to look at how good was Saquon Barkley. He was freaking amazing. Uh, the last time he was healthy... In 2019, he was the RB6 in points per game. That's not his rookie year when he had like 8 billion yards and 16 touchdowns or whatever it was. 2019 was a down year for Saquon. 2019, he was the RB9, I think, but he was the RB6 in points per game. Uh, He also, like, I've seen this thrown around a lot. This, This, I guess, assumption maybe that Saquon is not a great runner or that he's a chunk runner, but it's like, three of his four runs stink, and then the fourth one, he goes for 15 yards. I looked at his just yards per carry. His rookie year, he averaged five yards a carry flat on, I think it was 260-some-odd carries. Wasn't a great offensive line, so, you know, he was killing it. The year after that, it was 4.6 a carry, which is very good. So he's averaged 4.8 a carry when he's healthy. After the ACL injury with the ankle injury, and running behind the worst offensive line in football, he averaged three and a half a carry. I think there's a lot of factors involved in why he stunk and why he didn't deliver for fantasy, but I think that a lot of those things are about to turn the corner and Saquon at just 25 years old. I'm not saying he's going to win me a league, be the overall wide receiver or running back one, but I do think that he's probably a running back two with running back one potential depending on how good that offense is next year. I 100% see that. Your number one bounce back is also, also a, running a running back. Also a running back. It's it's Miles Sanders, the scourge or was it bane of everyone's existence, I feel like. Nobody likes Miles Sanders. He's the bane of my existence because he beat me in the playoffs and that's just depressing. He did. He did. He did. It was wonderful. It was even worse that he was on your team. Yeah, it was great. I hate Miles Sanders. I to to clarify, I was a definite underdog going into this was the semifinals of our fantasy playoffs, and for whatever reason, both of our teams just absolutely flopped, and you needed Antonio Gibson to outscore. Miles Sanders, who had been doing nothing all year. He was my, like, desperation. I don't have anyone else. I'm throwing Miles Sanders in there. And he went out there and got, like, 15 or 17 points. 
Yep. It that sucked. <laughs> but Miles Sanders is not a bad player. Like, he has been unlucky. He has definitely suffered injuries, which has been a problem. But the, none of them have been major injuries. He's just... He gets nicked up and dinged up, but he's on the Eagles' run offense, which runs the ball a ton. He's averaged 5.2 yards a carry in 2020. He averaged 5.5 yards a carry in 2021. He was the RB 16 in standard 14 in PPR his rookie year. He caught 50 passes, 28 passes um, in 2020. And um, how many games did he play? I'm not seeing how many games he played. Anyway, caught 28 passes, 26 passes. So he catches the ball, and he's been injured a lot. Um, he actually didn't score in 2021, which hurt him a lot. Yeah. So I don't see that happening again. I think Miles Sanders, I mean, I could see him bouncing back to RB2 status. So He's well, in the biggest, most run-heavy offense in the league. Right. What that part of that run heavy offense is that it's not just one or two guys that gets all the work for them. They've got like seven. They've got, you know, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard. Um, and I think the only guy who left is Jordan Howard. I want to say everybody else comes back. But Sanders like, is definitely like easily he's the most talented guy in that backfield. Yeah. I could definitely see a scenario where Sanders is the first and second down back and like Kenneth Gainwell is the third down back. Uh, comes in as like a Tariq Cohen sort of player. Yeah. Um, like I'm not expecting Sanders to go out there, blow the roof off, have an RB1 season. But I could see him. I mean, he's not going to be as bad as he was in 2021. He's going to score some more. He's going to, I mean, assume he doesn't get hurt. He's, yeah, he's going to get more carries. He's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Um, number two bounce back for me is Allen Robinson, and it's pretty self-explanatory. He got a quarterback. Why? <laughs> he's got Matthew Stafford, and he's got a absolutely prolific offense that he'll be catching passes in. They were the number one like wide receiver fantasy points offense last year. I want to say it was like 43 fantasy points went to wide receivers a week last year, which is... That is wild. It's absurd. Like the Green Bay Packers, for example, you think of them year in and year out as like a very good passing offense. They were of 10 full points worse <laughs> than the Rams last year. Um, just, just about everybody was about five points a week worse. So probably the offense dials it down just a little bit, but for the most part, everybody's coming back and Allen Robinson gets a clean swap with Robert Woods and Robert Woods was the wide receiver 12 before his ACL injury last year, which the simple of it is, I think Cooper cup and Allen Robinson can both be like their production can both be supported by Matthew Stafford. Stafford doesn't throw to tight ends. He throws to running backs a little bit. But both of those wide receivers, I think, will be very good fantasy options. And I think Allen Robinson has a clear path to being like a mid-wide receiver, too, with upside. He's a target I think he's better hog. than Robert Woods. I do, too. Like, I don't... Robert Woods... And Robert Woods is a good player. Yeah, Robert Woods is good. But in the past, he's been kind of a you know, 870-yard, five-touchdown kind of wide receiver. Robert Woods isn't a dominant guy. He's no. very scheme-oriented. Allen Robinson has had 150-plus targets, I think, in three or four seasons. He had them both in 2019 and 2020. Like, he's a target hog. He demands attention from the defense, and he finally has a quarterback. It's pretty much as simple as, Good wide receiver, good quarterback, good offense. It'll work itself out. Equals fantasy success. Exactly. Ready for mine? I am ready for yours. You ready? I'm ready. It is scary Terry. I'm not ready. I'm going to go high. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> You're going to go away? He's scary. He's terrifying. I, don't know if he, I qualify as a, as a bounce back. I don't know if it's... You know, some people may not. He's never been better 
then I believe it's the wide receiver. Um, he's never been better than a wide receiver 20, which is good, not great, but he's also never had a good quarterback. Um, I think Carson Wentz, as much as hate as I give Carson Wentz, he is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. We saw Michael Pittman be very good this past season. He was a wide receiver, I think, 14 on the year with um, Carson Wentz, at quarterback. And I think Terry McLaurin is better than Michael Pittman. So he's had 130-plus targets, back-to-back seasons. And, yeah, I mean, he's supremely talented. He's averaged 8 yards or or 13 about 13 yards of reception. He only scored four touchdowns in 2020, five touchdowns in 2021. So I expect those to go up. And, yeah. Washington, yeah, I mean, please trade him. <laughs> His problem is the DJ Moore problem, where he's a very talented wide receiver on a very bad team with a very bad quarterback. Absolutely. I was going to actually yeah, end up comparing him and DJ Moore. I... They're honestly they were actually identical. in the same draft class. They were. And DJ Moore is what, twenty five and Terry's is he twenty eight yet or is he just twenty seven? He's he's twenty six right now. He'll be twenty seven by the time the season rolls around. Good lord. He's like the oldest young player in the league. Just I mean that straight up. He's the oldest he's young player. He's there with player. Calvin Ridley kind of thing. Right. Calvin Ridley is twenty four going they on. They were 33. all in the same draft class. That's ridiculous. How did DJ Moore get in the league so young? How is he just 25, but he's been in the league for like eight years? Well, they've all only been in the league for like three years. But Terry, for whatever reason, Calvin Ridley was like 24 when he got drafted, and Terry was, I think, 23. Gosh. Anyway. Yeah, Terry. Anyway, we're, should, we're getting off topic. We, It's fine. Um, Terry should be better. I... Carson Wentz should support I mean, Carson Wentz is an actual NFL quarterback and I hate to say that because if you like Taylor Heineke you get mad but Carson Wentz is an actual NFL quarterback Taylor Heineke is a backup that just got paid yeah and Terry had some good games early in 2021 he scored 22 points in week 2 27 against the Falcons not surprising 21 against Green Bay. He had 18 against Carolina. He just had a bad finish to the season. He had zero points against Dallas where he got three targets and he got shut down because the offense was horrible. And I think that offense will take a step forward under Carson Wentz. I don't know. Like, I don't expect Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz of 2012, but I think it's – or not 2012. 2012? Whenever he had his – not 2012. When I, it's late. That was it's nine years day. ago. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut, shut up. Carson Wentz was still in college. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the offense is going to be a lot better. So I expect a big bounce back from Terry McLaurin. Yeah. My final bounce back is probably my 2022 my guy. I've got him in all my important leagues. And like we were, I do love him. Like we were talking about earlier, there's some dissent about this offense. I am on the Cortland Sutton side of the argument. You are the Jerry Judy side of the argument. Cortland Sutton is everything you want an alpha wide receiver to be. He's an outside huge man. And when I was digging into some of the data on Cortland Sutton, Obviously, he's not an elite wide receiver by any stretch, but he's also, like, his quarterbacks have been horrific. He's had Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Trevor Simeon as his starting quarterbacks. That ain't going to get it done. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a game last year. Remember when Denver didn't start a quarterback? They put a wide receiver. (laughs) His starting quarterback in in the conversation here. There was a game last year when Cortland Sutton's starting quarterback was a fourth string wide receiver because <laughs> i think i think teddy was hurt and all of the backups had covid yeah so Cortland sutton is you haven't really been able to see Cortland sutton i think that is kind of the main issue with him is that you haven't really been able to see him 
because his quarterback play has been horrific. The offense as well just overall hasn't been good. But that said, Cortland Sutton is a deep threat extraordinaire, and he's huge. Um, I did some deep dive. has a beautiful deep ball. Russ is one of the best deep ball throwers in the entire NFL. And he and Cortland Sutton thrive under him. Right. I compare, and I know some people get really mad when I say this. I compare Cortland Sutton very much to DK Metcalf. I feel like they are. I think DK Metcalf is far more talented than Sutton. Maybe, but I would not be surprised at all if Cortland Sutton's a back end wide receiver one. Here's why. Uh, he is, like I said, deep target extraordinaire. So he's he had the number two A dot in 2021 in the NFL. And I also found on Player Profiler that his target quality was number one in the NFL, meaning if you took out all the targets that were uncatchable, and there were a lot of them because Drew Locke was throwing in the ball. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was throwing in the ball. Both of them. If you, yeah, both of them. They both suck. If you took out all of those and you basically weighted deep targets more than short targets, essentially, you know, deep targets are worth like two points, short targets are worth one point. He had the number one target quality, which means he crushed down the field more than anybody else comparatively to like his overall body of work, meaning he had a lot of targets he couldn't catch. He didn't catch a lot of short targets. What he did catch were deep bombs, and he had weeks that he just blew up. The problem was he's in an offense that wanted to run the ball. They had 404 carries between their two running backs. They didn't throw the ball a ton. And when they did, he also had target competition from Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. I think that all changes in 2022. They've got Russell Wilson. They've got an elite quarterback. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. I think that there's room for both Judy and Sutton to be good. I just think Sutton that running game's is going, going to help to the deep passing game too. Exactly, they'll be able to play. They'll be able to do play action, which is what Russ is supreme at. I kind of so okay. DK Metcalf, they're obviously different. Sutton and Metcalf, different players. But uh, Metcalf was like a over the middle, like take a slant to the house kind of wide receiver. Cortland Sutton is not that. He's like a little bit of the Tyler Lockett where Tyler Lockett just would get so many plays in a season where he's 60 yards downfield, single covered, Russ throws it up and he just catches it. There's more of that in Sutton than there is the, we're going to throw the ball 20 yards downfield and he takes it 60. It's not going to be that. He's going to run down the sideline. He's going to be single covered, moss a corner, and score a touchdown that way. I think he and Russ are going to end up having sort of the mind meld. I'm not saying he'll be Cooper Cup of 2022, but I do think that he's got serious wide receiver one contention possibility. I could see him. I would like I've ranked him. If you want to have full transparency right now, because I'm hedging, I've ranked him as the wide receiver 19, but I've also ranked Jerry Judy as the wide receiver 20. Which means I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know which one's gonna, which one's gonna crush. I like they're both in that similar situation where I can see an argument for either one. I just kind of lean on the Sutton side. That's fair. We will see. We will see. We definitely have different. I you know, like when we argue. Like I'm not saying that it's Cortland Sutton's gonna suck either. Like. Like I could see, I could see them almost like having identical production to Metcalf and Lockett with Russ. Yeah, Russ likes to zero in on two guys. Yeah, and like Metcalf and Lockett, so Lockett would be more volatile, but he would finish as like the wide receiver what fourteen every year. DK yeah, Metcalf because he would have like two point two games a year where he would just score like fifty points right. out of nowhere. Right. He was the perfect flex option where it was a guy that wasn't going to, I guess, murder you, but he there was always the possibility he could score 35, which you love in your flex. He was he was the guy like everyone else is done, but your opponent has Tyler Lockett going on Monday night. You're up by 30 and you're terrified. <laughs> exactly. 
I think that there's going to be some of that with Sutton Judy where like you both of them could be, you know, wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 16 in the final finish. Uh, one of them could go like wide receiver seven and one of them's like wide receiver 15. Like I don't think either one of them stinks. I, anybody saying that one of them is going to stink and one of them's going to be awesome doesn't know what they're talking about. Both of them probably going to be good. At this point, you're just kind of zeroing in on, all right, which one is Russ going to have more of a mind meld with? That's who's going to be better for fantasy. Yep. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, really just pick which, which, whichever one you prefer, that's the one you go with. Yeah. Your final bounce back is who? Final bounce back is Darren Waller. A lot of people are low on him right now. I think for I good get, reason. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a man who came to town. We'll talk about him. Who uh, is a new sheriff in Las Vegas? He's um, the daggum entire Waller. DEA. He ain't yeah, just the sheriff. Is. He's the whole FBI. That's the that's the governor right there. Devontae Adams, obviously, he's in Las Vegas. He's a target monster. He is a monster. He's he might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. So Waller's target's not going to be the same. I get he was injured, but he should be healthy for 2022. So I'm not super worried about that. But I mean, I think people are have got kind of gotten too low on Darren Waller. He still has a great connection with um, Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to probably throw the ball more this year, especially in that division where it's just there's so much firepower. You're going to have a lot of games where they're just throwing the ball all over the place. You've seen Darren Waller be the tight end two, tight end three. I don't see that happening anymore, but I think teams aren't going to be able to zero in on Darren Waller with Devontae Adams in town either. So he's going to see a lot more single coverage. Look for him to be a lot more efficient this season. And, I mean, I, I honestly kind of expect him to be a top-five tight end again. So, I mean, there's a lot of scarcity at that position, so Darren Waller is going to be an elite option. So basically what you're telling me is Darren Waller is going to be good because tight ends in general suck butt. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so who do you think is going to end up with more targets, Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro? Ooh, that one's tough. I'm gonna say Waller. So if I think he's a, I think he's a better target. If Devontae Adams comes in and gets 145 targets, Hunter Renfro gets 85, and Waller gets 95. Like, is that enough? If is if he gets like 95 targets instead of the 120 that he's been getting, is that enough for you to feel okay about him? I think I still feel okay. I don't. I'm not drafting him anywhere close to where I was, but I think if you can get him at a discount, you're still getting fantastic production from a position where there's just not a lot to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. I so don't... he's still gonna he's still gonna be an advantage if you missed out on Kelsey Andrews, um, Kittle. Like, yeah, I'm definitely happy to have Waller. Given the situation, don't be surprised if he comes and is on Kyle Pitts' production level. Just because I think Kyle Pitts is probably not going to hit where people want him to hit just because he has nothing around him. Whereas Waller won't get the targets that Kyle Pitts will, but he's going to be a lot more efficient with those targets. Yeah. So Darren Waller's ADP right now from Underdog Fantasy is the 310 or the tight end four. Would you take him with, if you had like that last spot in a 10 team? You know who else is on the board around that time? Like every good receiver? Yeah, I mean, I would wait on him, honestly. If I'm, if I'm in that position, if he's going that high, I'm still going to wait on him. What round are you willing to take Waller? I take him in the fifth. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because also in the fifth, you're probably going to have TJ Hawkinson. Um, Who else might be in the fifth? uh, Tight end wise, after I mean after Hawkinson, they're going you're going to see that huge drop off. Yeah, 
I still to Goddard. There's going to be multiple rounds difference there. Yeah, I feel like Hawkinson probably. I don't have his ADP right in front of me. I should probably actually look that up. But uh, in the fifth round, you're probably like. Let's put it this way: in the third round, his current ADP. I'm not touching him because I think that's way too high. Yeah, uh, the guy's going in the third round. Like we did a super flex draft, so obviously you he went in the third to, round last year. <laughs> right, <laughs> and that was coming off of elite tight it, that end. That was coming season. off a tight end two season. Right. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is going in the sixth round at the six ten as the tight end six. I'm going to take Hawkinson three full rounds later than Waller. And I think, well, I think Hawkinson will be higher. I expect them, honestly, probably to go around the same ADP. Yeah. I think if Waller's in the fifth, I'm okay taking the flyer on him. But understand, and this is just true of tight ends in general, he's going to be super volatile. He'll be all over the place. You'll have weeks where, you know, he gets four targets and has 30 yards, no touchdowns, and just sucks. But he'll also have weeks when, you know, a team keys in on Devontae Adams. It's a positive game script. They throw the ball a ton, and Waller gets like eight targets, scores a touchdown. You have a great fantasy week. So... It's the true, and we've seen him and him and Carr doing this for a while. So they've got a really good connection. So, yeah, he's come back down to earth a bit. He's no longer the, you know, I think last year people were taking him as the tight end two, basically rolling over what he did the year previous. There was real conversation this time last year about taking Waller over Travis Kelsey. Obviously, that sounds stupid now, but he's a guy. I think that, it sounded stupid then. That's fair. <laughs> he's a guy that, like, if he falls to the right spot, if you have a league that's gun-shy on him because Adam shows up, then maybe he's a good value in the fifth, sixth round. But if he's going at his current ADP of the 310, I'm not touching him. No. But, I mean, no matter no matter where he gets taken, I think he bounces back from last year. Because even when he was healthy, he was struggling. But... I also think it's because people were kind of keying in on him, which you cannot do with Devontae Adams at down. You cannot. And it, I'll be really curious just to see what that offense looks like because obviously new coach, so probably a little bit of a new offense. The quarterback is back. You add the best wide receiver in football. You've got a great running back. You've got, you know, maybe the best wide receiver two for Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro that he's just like, he can run the entire route tree, take pressure off. He can be Derek Carr's safety net. And then Waller over the middle, like terrifying. So that offense in general is going to put up a lot of points. It'll come down to the fact that that division, they probably have to score a lot of points. I don't Which, know. I mean, that does nothing but help them, I think, as you're looking at in a perfect world, you're staring down six shootouts a year against the Chiefs, Chargers, and uh, Broncos. Right. Yeah, that could... Not saying it's going to happen, but like that's... Don't be surprised kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Waller's super interesting. We'll see how it all plays out. I don't have the first clue what to do with Waller personally. Um, I think I've got him ranked. Let me pull up my rankings real quick. I've got Darren Waller currently as my tight end seven. I probably need to adjust that, but... Who's I'm scared of him? of him. I've got Jasicki, Goddard, Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey ahead of him. Oof. I would, yeah, I would definitely put him ahead of Jasicki and Goddard. Yeah. I, this might have been, it might be a little bit. I think I he's at least, things, he's but. at least tight end six. Fair. Draft him at tight end six, folks. Don't draft him at his current ADP of tight end four because then you'll be an idiot. I mean, we discussed this. This is law. He's going to finish as a tight end six. Yeah. We, we said it. If you draft him as the tight end seven, you, you have succeeded. I mean, I mean, think about it. Do you think I'm going to come on the air and lie? Why would I do that? No, that would be an idiot move. And we are not idiots. We are the fantasy brothers, not the fantasy idiots. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> That's all we've got. Jesus, for... guys, ask for respect. <laughs> 
that's all we've got for this episode. We'll see you next week when we're hopping into some rookie previews ahead of the draft. Draft season's coming, boys. Very excited. I'm already getting all the tingles. I cannot wait. I'm already uh, debating making bad decisions to trade for draft picks <laughs> to go. Sure, <sighs> let's trade Devontae Williams for one first. <laughs> Devontae Williams. I would love to meet him. I said Javante Williams. Oh, Javante. Maybe we are the fantasy idiots. Don't worry about it. (laughs) We'll see you next week. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers podcast. If you enjoyed it, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.